today's read, A Moment of Silence, Midnight Three by Sister Soldier, Chapter 30, The Men. Criminal-minded I'm not, but the times were getting more rougher. The projects were pouring into the prisons and the men were getting more tougher. The crowded streets emptied the street crowd into the cells. Hotter than July, even the heat was getting more meaner. More felons now than misdemeanors. And the mood was intensely tense in this city of men. You have a visitor, the CEO called out. His gaze fell on me. Not me, I said, seated in the God's cipher. Ricky Santiago, the CEO said, and the locked up looked up, stood up, and paid close attention to the name of the man even the CEO seemed to know. Paused in a squatting position, only my mind was moving swiftly. Do or die, Ricky Santiago, one of Daquan's captains named Walkie Talkie said slyly. Black, you better take that. I raised up for my own reasons. After reaching my own conclusions, I took my walk for the first time to visitation. My first time up here, Santiago said. Mine too, I replied, my natural smile breaking out naturally. What can I do for you, I asked him. <laughs> he smiled, then laughed a reluctant, restricted, but real laugh. What can you do for me, he said and we both sat in silence for some seconds. Did one of your machines break? You came all the way here looking for a handyman? Couldn't find nobody else? The repair kit was in each box with the instruction manual, I joked purposely to lighten up what was already a heavy feeling in a tense atmosphere. Damn. That's more words right there than I ever heard you say, he said coolly. I must have been in here too long, I said. Two days in there is two days too long, he said. That's word, I agreed. The locked lingo all in me now. Less is more. What had to be done had to be done, I know, he said, and gave me a serious look. I read it. He wanted me to know that he knew I was no fool. I appreciated his words. The words he spoke and the ones he discreetly insinuated. He was the first one, the only man not to question my motives or my murder or whatever action had led me here. The first one to know without knowing any of the details of my imprisonment that a man who had all that I had earned and that Allah had allowed me would never just throw it all away without reason. I felt in my soul that more than any man Ricky Santiago knew, I had murdered a lesser man for the right reasons. At the same time, his facial expression expressed his regret that a lesser man had not pulled the trigger on my behalf so that the deed that had to be done was done without getting any blood or dirt on my hands 
However, when it is as personal as it was, I would have to be the only one to pull the trigger. Never would have handed that murder over to any other man. Did you come up here to check? I asked him. And he smiled. Anything, anyone, any jewel that I want to choose or that I plan to purchase, I pick it out myself. I test it myself. I pick it up myself. I verify myself. My man said it was you. Me? I had to see for myself, he said. How's the basketball going, I said, purposely not to give any words or info away to any authority listening in. As good as always, man, but no charm, he said. No charm, I repeated. Nothing to go all in on, with complete confidence, just something to watch. There was a pause. How long, was all he asked. I had purposely not been counting time, yet I knew in two weeks' time it would be my second birthday of being cuffed and confined. Then I reminded myself that I had been in the bullpen for my last birthday, which meant in two weeks it would mark one year of time served. Two years, I said, if it goes well. Good man in a bad situation. So... He never knows what he or they will do, right? He stated. I didn't say nothing. There was no need. I'll put money on your books. Check your commissary, he said. You know I don't like debt, I said. He didn't answer nothing back. There was no need to. Two years. Drop me a line. Round release time. I'll have the limo down front, he pledged. Forget the limo. Park my Maserati and leave my key in the ignition. I'll drive myself. (laughs) My man, he said, and left. Daquan, the five percenters, and their underlings all had their eyes plastered on my pace and my face when I walked back into the day room. It looked like they had expected me to report back on my VIP visitor. Do or die, Ricky Santiago. They had been huddled watching murder she wrote, like they usually did. They'd each try to solve the crime first. It was just one of Daquan's several competitions, the kind that could be held and managed in a jail setting. Don't watch me, I told them. Watch the TV. The guy in the top bunk? I never referred to him as my cellmate or as my celly as many men do. The same way that Chris and Amir and I built a nine-foot wall around my queen's home, I built an invisible but solid wall between me and him, even though we were both forced to share a sink, a toilet, and a very small space. He was a few years older than me, but in lockup, my solid steel physique, reputation, and confidence outdistanced and outweighed his age soon as he arrived at my cell after the last guy was evacuated I read him my rules don't look at me don't ask me any questions don't touch my things don't talk stay out of my way clean up behind yourself immediately he obeyed
check out your soldier. Daquan handed me a copy of his newsletter. Each one, teach one. It was only one page with stories printed at the print shop on both front and back sides. I flipped it, scanning the two photos as well as the article titles. What am I looking for? I asked him. Back page, bottom right-hand corner, he told me. I read it. 16-year-old adolescent petitions the Rikers Island Jail Administration for permission to marry and wins. For the first time ever, a youth in the Rikers Island Robert Donovan Adolescent Jail has gained permission to host a wedding and marry his 18-year-old girlfriend in a jail ceremony. The inmate, who is a minor and therefore cannot be named or photographed, waged a nine-month campaign to marry his girlfriend. His first hurdle was to win the permission from his mom, his legal guardian. Her signature was a requirement on the marriage license. That was the part of the process that took the longest, according to Community Relations Counselor Brian Jones. The small ceremony will be hosted on Saturday, August 1st. I looked up. Daquan had his arms folded in front of him. My soldier, I repeated. The soft dude who you gave the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. My brother said he did a 180. You know Deshaun don't respect or acknowledge a man who can't master himself. You taught him that, I said. Then I was thinking about Leviticus. Kid, owe you his life. You're the father to his style, Daquan declared. Alhamdulillah was all I thought. If a man strives with a good intent and all of his heart and mind to overcome his trauma and his challenges, there is a reward in it. Then I thought of how the article said the first hurdle was his mother. I could not imagine that she would have been against her son taking a wife when before that ever happened, he was being abused and conquered and disrespected by men she brought around. I wondered if she preferred her son the way he was before, or if she admired the outcome of his efforts to overcome a very difficult situation and circumstance. Tell Deshaun I said good looking out. I handed him back the newsletter. You keep it. Hand it to the next man, Daquan said. As I folded it, I noticed a black and white photo of a pretty female. Of course I would notice. She had clear eyes that shined and nice brown skin without cosmetics. Sister Lisa, Daquan said. She's coming up here to speak. Speak to who? I asked. All of us, whoever signs up for the program, this is my joint. I got the community relations counselor to invite her up. For what? I asked, not believing there was any reason to invite women into this filthy city of men. Cause she's bad. She's young, she's smart, she's a poor righteous teacher and civilizer of the 85. But most importantly, she runs these camps for the babies. 
Ask any God up here who God sees. They all know her, he said. She's in Earth? I asked. Earth was what the gods called their women. They called their mothers their old Earth, and their women their Earth. Not Cypher. She's not in the 5%. Not in the nation of Islam. Not even a Muslim. I heard she works for the church. But she ain't no nun, and she ain't no joke or nothing like that. Sign up, check her out. You'll only understand. You'll only understand once you see her in person and hear her speak. I took a second look at the photo and read the article. I was curious. Besides, it broke up the regular rhythm and routine, and I was part of a captive audience. Mentioning, murmuring, maneuvering, and movement of men around the arrival of this one girl to Rikers Island was extraordinary to me. It was an unexpected, powerful momentum. Men jockeyed to be included, but the number of inmates who could attend topped off at 300. They raised it to 350. When an inmate got suddenly bailed out or moved out or had court appearances and trial dates, the next man would jump for the ticket that he vacated. I was calm and cool, thought it was somehow funny, couldn't guess what she would say or do that appealed to the beasts of the jungle. Saturday finally arrived. Us prisoners were filed in and lined up, no chairs. I don't know what the authorities were expecting, but I knew from experience they got agitated whenever large groups of men are moving whenever large groups of men are united around anything even if it is harmless and good for them whenever large groups of men are excited in the gym were all of the COs we were accustomed to seeing but doubled ones that usually worked the shift after the others were all here at the same time then there was the special forces, all riot geared up, their shields and chemical sprays and sticks and heavy boots, and their fucked up attitudes, postures, and dispositions. I was leery watching them watching us, and even more so hearing 350 men speaking in hushed tones all at once. The doors swung open. She was blocked from being seen by the COs who walked her in. Men were stretching their necks, inching sideways, trying to get a look. Then she walked out and away from the COs guarding her in a manner like she didn't want them guarding her in the first place. She stood directly in the front, placed herself right in the center of the men where the aisle divided the crowd into halves. We were all looking at her. At the same time, she began looking at us. It seemed one by one, without skipping anyone. She surveyed until her eyes filled with tears. Watching her fill with natural emotion made some of the men emotional. They began clapping for her tears and stomping their feet. CO blew a whistle that was drowned by the sounds of applause. Then the thunder fell to absolute silence. 
she looked calm and comfortable. In her eyes was a force. They contained the calm of water and the fury of fire. I wondered how they occupied the same space. Her skin was pretty and clear. She was the opposite of Ranthrough. Her energy was clean. She looked 18 years young and innocent. Either she was, or she was a fox with 99 tails. That's more than Aunt Tasha has. I smiled at the thought. I love you, she said. And the men cheered as though it was their first time ever hearing or believing those words. Maybe both. I love you. Not because I am naive. Not because I lack intelligence. Not because I am unaware that some of you have done wrong on purpose and others of you have done wrong by mistake. And still, some have been wrongly accused. I love you because my soul has been missing you. My eyes have been searching for you. My heart has been wanting you. The fathers, the brothers, the sons of our hearts. We need you to be home. And the men went crazy cheering. We need you to be strong. We need you to be capable. And above all, to be true. We need you to be loving us, the women, as we work together with you side by side. A person should always know who they are and what purpose they serve. A person should also know who they are not and what they will and will not do or allow to be done with them or to them. So I'll start off by telling you who I am not. bitch and the men threw their hands in the air jumped up and down and hollered like an unseen unheard exorcism I am not a bitch I am not that naked chick posed and pasted or taped or pinned to your wall while you jerk off the men were high five and some shocked some shaking I am not disrespectful I am not disloyal I am not the one who will disgrace you or who you will disgrace, slapping me in my face, punching me in my ribs, or shoving me down the stairs. I am not your bitch, your hoe, your piece, your skeezer, or your baby's mama who called the police on you, dimed you out, fucked your friends, or aborted your seeds. The volume of the men's expression became so wild, the riot guards eased off of their post and stood on either side of the girl facing the inmates with their shields raised up high. I am not the bitch who had your children, then hid them from you, placed a restraining order on you, dragged you into court, and sat silently while the judge ran your pockets. I am not your bitch who lied on you, who stole your money or pawned your jewels, 
I am not that bitch you met in the dark or fucked in your car or in the back of your building or on the stairwell. The men reacted as though the riot guards were absent. No threat at all. I am not the bitch who sucked your horn without having your heart in my hand, your diamond on my ring finger, and my heart in your soul, she said, and the guards stepped up to the crowd. Calm down, or we will shut it down, they threatened. She ignored them. I'm not your psychiatrist or your private eye. I am not your mother. I am not the police. I am not your parole officer. And you are not my hostage, my prisoner, or my slave. So don't be doing the running man when you see me. Look at me with love and affection, she said, placing her hands on her hips and twisted left and right, slight gestures that caused a frenzy among the caged. Sister, we are family. If someone fucks with you, they fuck with me. The crowd roared. I am a young woman. I am a fighter. I am known for four words. We are at war. The stomping began again. Not because we want to be. And not because we ain't got nothing better to do but just because we are. We have been set up. We've been sucker punched. We've been southpawed. We've been stabbed from behind. We've been blindfolded. We've been gagged. We've been wronged. We've been wrong. We've been held down too low for too long. Now she was covered in a light sheen of summer sweat. She inhaled, then exhaled. She clenched her fingers and her face filled with ache. Brothers and sisters, we gotta get our hearts right. Love the right things. Hate the wrong things. Brothers, we gotta get our minds right. Read the right books. Write the right words. Rhyme the right lyrics. Sing the right songs. Speak the truth, brothers. We gotta get our souls right. Praise the right God, cause if you're telling me that you're a God, you better be the solution and not the problem. And that was it. Her words tore the house down. Nobodies were still. Even the guards looked shocked and somehow pleased with her and what she was saying and what she was evoking from the men which they had never before seen. Only... God is perfect. Men are not. Women are not. Praise God. Not yourself. Not your woman. Not your man. Fight your enemies. Not your friends. Not your family. Not your people. Handle your business. Every man knows that every man has to do that. Where my hustles at? She asked. And most of the men acknowledged. We right here. Then she stripped them. You are loved. You got the right skills, but the wrong product. You got the right look. Young, fine, fashionable. You got the cars, the jewels, and the women. You got the strong team, 
but the wrong target, made the wrong investment, and created the wrong results, men must build more than they destroy. And the 5% were cheering, even the ones who hustled. Where my pimp sat, she suddenly said, and the men who were normally good at game and sharp and slick failed to peep her next setup. They acknowledged, we right here? She turned a little and leaned forward. You pimping her, and who's pimping you? You dress her up and throw her out on the block or the club or behind the building to spread her legs for paper. Now, who's dressing you up and forcing you to spread your legs for paper? The prison system in America, cheap, forced labor. They dress you up in these odd striped jumpers, green jumpers, orange jumpers, and orange hats. They make you spread your legs and raise your hands and shut your mouth and spread your cheeks and get out there and work the whole day for them. Every day, you earn less than a hoe on the straw. And the place exploded. Some COs broke their stance and laughed. The real pimps are in the government and the corporations. Sometimes they're one and the same. They're collecting the money you earned and not giving you your cut. Check the labels. At least know who's getting paid off of you. Who got the contract to build these prisons? Who got the contract for the heavy machinery? The prison vehicles? The prison weapons? The prison furniture? The prison inventory? Who made those prison jumpers you're forced to wear? Who got the contract for the horrible food they serve you? Who made your bed sheets? Check the labels. See if I'm lying to you. You were supposed to be our army, but the only ones you fighting is yourselves. Men divided by race, culture, faith, and language, all getting pimped by the same politicians, the same entities, all cooperating with the same scam. Look around the room. The men began checking their surroundings. All blacks and Latinos, Latinos and blacks, all Africans and Latinos, Latinos and Africans, all African men. Even the African and Latino CEOs are caught up in the color scheme, she said, and the room went to a hush. They think you're the enemy. You think they're the enemy. They got the same problems you got. They think you're the product. They got the wrong product. But both groups are getting pimped by the same true pimps. CEO can't pay his rent, same as you. And the crowd jeered. CEO can't handle his women, same as you. CEO can't afford his child support, same as you. CEO can't afford the car he's driving, same as you. You're locked up now. CEO is locked up, in here, right with you. It was fire on top of fire, and it was spreading across the room, igniting everything. Then she softened her tone and dropped her convo back into the realm of the personal. 
I am nothing but a war a warner. I am nothing but a reminder. A woman. The same woman who will care for your babies. The same babies not born from my womb. The same woman who will raise your daughters and sons to be better men and women than any of us have ever been. I don't hate your women, but I can teach them how to love you, how to get their minds and hearts right, how to see you in a better light. But in order to do that, you have to be a better man. I love the black man, but I need a better product, a purer cut, a finer grain. At that point, I observed cold-blooded killers, niggas who had two, three, four bodies on their charges, men who got nabbed with kilos of cocaine with a truckload of weed, men who ran guns and pimped women and committed armed robberies and even raped were on their feet with fists pumping in the air with total loss of composure and cheering like they were at the horse track or an auction or the strip club, but louder and stronger and not from the groin, but from their hearts. I'm calling for a complete humbling of every man and every woman. I am even calling for the humbling of myself. I am not your bitch, but if I was, and even if I ever used to be, I'm not anymore, and I wouldn't be dumb enough to be bragging about it if I was arrogant and proud and flaunting it. I wouldn't be parading around, standing in front of audiences, acting like I don't know better, didn't plot and scheme to do it, and didn't get nothing out of it. Lying bitches, fake bitches, and I saw a hard rock cry. If I was your bitch before, I'd be correcting myself now. Work hard. Strive hard. Fight hard. Love hard. Man and woman. Woman and man. Let's build a nation where we can thrive. Where the police don't reign supreme. And the slaughter of our children isn't sport. Where white is just one shade of skin without melanin not to be worshipped or imitated or served. In the words of Marcus Garvey, one God, one aim, one destiny. In the words of Malcolm X, by any means necessary. In the words of Harriet Tubman, freedom or death. Peace. She took a bow. She tried to catch her breath as she and every man in the room recovered from something that couldn't be described. A bond that couldn't be broken. A woman who could never be forgotten. Words that would revolve around the minds of the oldest men and even around the brains of the most ignorant men. And even within the youngest and darkest of souls. Young, I knew Her words would stay with me. I felt I would somehow see her again in another time in a better place.
from the back row where I stood, I remained calm and still, even though I was moved. I see these men every day. I watched her instead. She was wearing jeans and a long sleeve in the summer t-shirt that said, love. She was covered. It didn't matter though. Her shape was crazy. She wore pumps, not kicks. She was camouflaged so well, she looked like she wasn't. She looked like a pretty hood chick without the glaze or glamour or attitude. Feminine feeling without any confusion. She looked soft. Her teeth were white and her smile was warm like she meant it. Bold. Her mouth was a machine gun. Her tongue a machete. There was nothing about her physical look or her ordinary fashion that would give anyone a warning of what she would say or do. She's a powerful bomb, I thought. A bomb with a silencer. No tick or buzz or boom. No red light or alarm to alert people to stay away. Don't touch or tease or insult her. She would detonate. I asked myself, what exactly is the feeling she caused me to feel? It wasn't sexual, although she was lovely enough. It wasn't danger, although she was deadly enough. I wasn't challenged, although she was sharp enough. It was that even though she said she was not naive, and even though she spoke as though she was not innocent, and even though she said she was a fighter, she was naive enough to enter a filthy place, be surrounded by hundreds of men, and feel no fear or sense of personal threat. She wore those tight jeans as though she wasn't standing before a herd of hungry, starved beasts and as though she would not possibly be looked upon as food or prey. She was still a woman to me, ruled by emotion, and I felt a strong feeling and the urge to protect her. They ushered her out. She looked like she wanted to stay. She reached her hand through the guards and touched the hand of every prisoner who was close enough to reach in. Soon as she was gone, all masks came off. The guards turned back into hate, and the inmates turned back into the hated, and vice versa. In our darkened cells, men hugged and held the bars. Through the open spaces and the vents, the conversation began. Word to mother, I'm speechless. Yo, Daquan, thanks for the hookup. We should have her speak at the parliament. Next that, she might influence the earths. I hope she does. Might be better to leave it the way it is. Y'all scared of her. Non-cipher. Yo, God, understanding? I seen you shed a tear. Who got her address? I'm about to write her a letter. She don't got no time for that. Man, shut the fuck up. I'm about to wife her. She don't want you. She got high standards. Yeah, but she ain't no gold digger. She's low maintenance. She's a soldier, Daquan said. The minister put out a word of protection on her so the streets don't touch her. Go at her the wrong way, you lose your life. 
that's how it should be, I said. What minister? You know, the only one who matters. By the end of the week, the vibe flipped. The topic changed. Leviticus's wedding in the youth house happened smoothly. However, his mom got arrested trying to bring in contraband. Now, she's locked up in the Rose M. Singer Center, the Rikers Maximum maximum Security Jail for women. Daquan lost a mule. Leviticus lost a mother. Brian Jones, the community relations counselor who allowed Daquan to plan events and host speakers, was gone. Word was he was fired, but no explanation was offered to the inmates he counseled or the community relations he formed. I believe he got fired for bringing that bomb into the jail and letting her detonate. Same as teacher Kareem Ali mysteriously disappeared for teaching American history in a manner where students were actually interested and participating. Same as I was boxed for praying. It's crazy. Once you realize that even when you are trying to do good and be true, even when you are walking within the legal limits, you are still being stalked and hunted and fired upon. A number of CEOs got transferred to different houses and had to start all over again. Inmates got shifted and shipped out and cells changed. It was a shakeup that no one admitted was happening. The unspoken truth. No one wanted us to learn or grow or change. They needed us to remain in physical stagnation and bondage and in a criminal state of mind.